This Psalm 85 uh, is a very interesting psalm. It's filled with all kinds of wonder and blessing and filled with uh, God's glory and uh, it's thought-provoking, it's um, historical, it's based on real life, people's lives, it's based on um, the things that they've experienced in their lives, but then God comes in His Holy Spirit, powerful way of the Holy Spirit moving to elicit from the pen of the psalmist words that are uh, eternal, eternal and, and powerful words that have historically been used by the church for Christmas. Very strange kind of a thought when you read this, you're thinking, what is Christmassy about that? Well, there's lots. There's lots for us today that is uh, a gift from God for, as we look at his word together. Uh, it says here that it is a psalm of the sons of Korah. Um, these people were ones who lived at the time of the exile when God had punished his people because, remember, Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, Zechariah, all of these prophets had preached to them, you have to repent from your sins, God is going to punish you, um, you're going to be banished to this other land, and the people laughed when they heard that and they ignored it, and then that happened. And so this psalm, we believe, it was written after they returned from exile. They, re- they God was faithful to them, and after 70 years, it was prophesied that they, after 70 years, God would return them to Jerusalem where they would rebuild the temple, right? Where they would rebuild the temple and it would, it would be a time of, of blessing for them. Uh, but it's interesting here as we read this psalm, the things that they are praying about and what they are, what they are saying. Uh, so let's get into God's word together. Uh, it begins by, with three verses that recall God's grace and God's favor to them as a people. He had heard their cry, free us from this exile. We want to be back in Jerusalem. We want to return to where we were. We want to continue on to be your people in that way. And so the first verses say that, God, you were, Lord, you were favorable to your land. And they refer to that as, you know, as part of themselves, their land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob, and Jacob is another means of another name for the people of God at that time, right? The people of the fortunes of Jacob. Uh, you forgave the iniquity, the sins of your people. You covered all their sin. You covered all their sin. It's a very, um, <clears throat> a very usual and uh, fitting way that God used in His Word to talk about forgiving, to cover. He covered their sin. You withdrew all of your wrath, removed all of your anger. There was wrath against them caused because of their sin. They had sinned so terribly by following other gods. And so God gave them up to those people and to the, to the gods that they desired more than him. And so he, but he, they say that he withdrew his wrath. You turned from your hot anger. And so there is this wrath of God that is also present. Because of sin, right? Because of his, of, of sinfulness. And so he, he had withdrawn his wrath. He turned from it, right? And so there's this three verses here that are acknowledging how God had blessed them, 
Right? The next verse is from 4 to 7, and I changed it. I, I asked Beverly to read the entire psalm uh, this today because I found it so helpful and beautiful. And um, So thank you for doing that. Restore us again. Okay, so now we see with these words, restore us again, that they something has occurred so that they are again away from God. Right? And doesn't it happen that way often in life? That we thank you, God. We, we acknowledge you and we have repented of our sins and you heard our cries and you came and you forgave us of our sins. We are yours. We want you. And then how quickly when circumstances in our lives come up, we change and we come back to where the, to the point of sin. And we forget how God had redeemed us and had restored us already and brought us in, into a return to the land, into his presence, into a well, well, peaceful uh, relationship with him again. But then because of the things and the circumstances in the world, um, that leaves us, right? The, the peace is, is, is no longer there. So there is a call here to restore us again. And that is important for us as Christians to remember that we, in our sinfulness, can always return to God. We can call out to God and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. And He is faithful. We, we say that in our confession. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That is so important. And that is also something we want to practice with our loved ones and people around us to always remember that we give them another chance, that we, we forgive them and forget what they did so that they are, are, are right with us and we are right with them. And that is peace. So restore us again, O God of our salvation. You are the one of our salvation. You have saved us before, and you are the one we call on now to save us. Put away your indignation, your anger toward us, Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. There was um, uh, something I read this week by Arthur uh, Weiser, his wonderful, deep, and and very uh, spirit-filled writer about the Bible. And I often turn to his book on the Psalms to see what he has to say about it. And I was really uh, intrigued by what he said this uh, about these verses in this psalm. He said, we are confronted here with the tension which all genuine faith exhibits. If man's eyes are totally focused on the reality of God, as in verses 1 through 3, we are focused on his glory and what he has done for us, right? Um then we are confronted with the abundant riches of the divine grace on the ground of a faith that possesses that grace. So what he means is that when we are in that mindset, right, when we are in that, when our faith is in that mindset, then we, we are filled with the grace of God. We're living in that moment. We are feeling that, yes, that is what happened. He forgave me of my sin. He restored me to life. I am forgiven. I can continue on now with hope, right? That is one way that we, that, that in, 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 in our, one way that our, our faith is exhibited. But then, 
if our eyes are fixed on the actual state of affairs in the world that surround us, then we perceive the distance that separates human reality from divine reality, and our faith becomes like one that is waiting for God's grace. And so I don't think that he's criticizing that. I think what he's saying is that we are, we are a sinful people. Uh, we remember that God's grace is at hand, and so we have faith because we know that it's real in our lives. We've been forgiven. But when we see the things that are occurring around us and the, the circumstances facing the world, our faith becomes tested. Our faith becomes tested, and so at those times in the, of testing, then we are waiting upon God's grace to come. And so that is the, I think both are at work in our lives, right? So we have this awareness, yes, I am a saved believer, but yes, I also am facing moments now in my life, and with all the things going on around us, surrounding us, my faith is being tested. Where is God? Where is the grace of God? We wait upon it. And how do we wait upon it? We wait upon it with prayer. We wait upon it in, in approaching the throne of grace and going to God and communing with God and searching Him and to, to know Him more and more and to, 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 to make sure that our faith is always reminded of the glory and the grace that He has exhibited through the forgiveness of our sins, through the restoration that He brings. So there is a tension in, in the time of approaching Christmas. And it was that way at the time approaching the birth of Jesus as well. It was, there were, it, it wasn't like everybody was just all waiting for this wonderful thing. The world was in turmoil. And it always has been since, since man and woman have sinned. But in that, in that atmosphere of tension is the knowledge that God is coming. He's coming. Something is coming. He is coming. He's on his way. He is not far away. He has given us glory and grace and forgiveness, and he is true to his word that he will restore it. And I believe that that also helps us to be able to see that we are waiting for heaven. We're waiting for the day when Jesus returns. And so we... Peace is not something that we just walk around and feel like everything's good. Peace is an awareness of the tension between knowing God's grace and also waiting for that grace. Does that make sense? We're not just saying, okay, now I'm good, I'm peaceful. That will, that will occur when the true time of, of eternal peace comes at Jesus' return. But for now, we are in this world and we acknowledge that there is a tension because there is sin in this world, but God will come and we, there will be an end to that when Jesus returns. So we look at our relationship to God. All of the things that, that we go through in life turn on the relationship that we have with him. These are not just concepts of Christmas. It is always coming back to the reality of a relationship with the Almighty God. It's the relationship of an Almighty God and also the relationship that we have to one another. We cannot, as people have been, who have been placed on this earth, ever live without an awareness of other people, an awareness of our position here. 
as not just one person, as an individual, but we are, we are a family. We are a community of human beings, and we are therefore uh, tied together through Jesus Christ. And, and, and that is with it, whether someone knows Christ or not. So anyway, again, what he was saying, I don't want to take away from what, what is, what is saying in the Psalm too much. But let's, let's look at this last verse. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. So that is spoken in faith in waiting upon God to answer their call for redemption again. Whatever has happened to cause them to go away from God, they are asking him to return them. Have you ever had a fight with somebody? You ever had a time when you are waiting upon that moment for a relationship to be restored? You may not be waiting consciously in your mind like, oh, I'm waiting for that to be, be, to happen. You may be thinking, I'm living my life, but meanwhile I'm, I'm not at peace with this person. That in itself is a tension that teaches us what's going on here with God. We need to, we, we, we don't want to walk through life ignoring or just putting off to the side a, a something that needs to be taken care of. And the best way to approach that kind of a situation with someone else is to pray for that. Lord, I, at this moment, I am, I'm finding it very hard to love that person. And I don't know what to do about this, and, and I've, I've thought about this many times, and it lingers there. And sometimes I've thought, thought like, well, it's just the way it is. But God, help that just the way it is to become peace. Help that to be a, 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 a time of being reunited so that I don't live my life trying to walk away from that person, but that I walk towards that person. Or any kind of situation like that. Okay, and so then something else happens, and this is what happens in the Psalms. There's a, a journey that we're taken on in this, in this, in these Psalms of God, and purposefully taken on a journey to teach us how to live life. Verse 8, let me hear what God the Lord will speak. That is the first step in the direction of peace. Let me hear, let me listen. And that's what I'm talking about with this, with these, these times here where we want to have something resolved in life. We take time away and we guard that time and we give thought to the situation we find ourselves in. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in in power. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. There's a beautiful aria from the Messiah that is based on, on verses in Zechariah. Rejoice, 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 Judah. It expresses rejoicing, and that's also found in these verses here, right? That your people may rejoice in you, right? But you know what the, the, the part that I remember most 
in that that aria is a quieter, less known melody that says, He shall speak peace, peace, peace. Unto and there's a reflection, and the person who wrote that handle is causing us to take that time to reflect and to wallow in the thought that he will bring peace, peace, peace to his people. Rejoice, rejoice, because he will bring peace. And that's exactly what it says here. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. This is worth more than all the gold in the world. To his saints, to the believers, the people that follow him, the ones who are taking him serious, the ones who will listen to him. That's all you have to do. Give God your ears. Give God your time to listen to him, and you will be blessed. For he will speak peace to his people. He is a God who speaks peace. Let them not turn, but then here, let them not turn back to folly. And so here is another important lesson for us. We receive that peace. Yes, God, thank you. I feel so peaceful in my heart now. But I know myself, and I know the way that I am, and I know that I am quick to return to folly, to the, to the, when that voice of, of for me, especially in those moments when I am close to God, something draws my attention and takes me away from it. And that is, that is so important for us to know that this is a part of our lives. Yes, Lord, let me hear your voice, but let me also, in receiving your peace, remember that I must be attentive, that I do not turn back to the way that I was. And that's exactly what they did here. They learned from their mistakes. It's so important that we learn from our mistakes, right? I know I'm talking to people that know this, okay? I know all of you know these things. But God is talking to us through his word because he knows the way we are and he wants us to know his peace. Don't turn back to folly. Always keep that in mind. Don't just say, I I want peace. Say, I want peace and I want also to be obedient. Surely... His salvation, surely you can count on it, his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. And so the people here are hearing this through the Holy Spirit, speaking to them through the psalmist to hear, yes, salvation is near. And that is why I believe they are starting, from this point on at least, that they're saying this is Christmas material. What is better to think about than the nearness of God through Jesus Christ at Christmas. His salvation is surely near to those who fear him. And the people who received God at that time, received Jesus, and expected him and were praying for it, were in that kind of a frame of mind and in the frame of heart. I am fearfully and and awfully looking to God. Because I am a mere human being, but he is God, and he is coming here where I am. 
into this world, what would you do to prepare for Jesus to come? If you knew that he was coming, what would you do to prepare for him? What would you do when we have guests? We know that we're going to be cleaning the house and we're going to be putting things in order and we're going to be making everything nice and pretty for them and we'll make a guest bedroom for them and, 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 you know, clean up all the stuff that we threw in there, you know, that at the last second for someone else when they came and then, you know, we, but you dress up the house, you prepare it, right, for a guest and when we, when we do those things for the Lord, what do we do? We prepare our hearts. We, we want to be in a, living in a way so that he will feel that he is important to us and cared for and loved. And those are the things that come into our hearts through this, this reading here. He is near to us. He's coming here. He's, he's coming soon. What do I want to do? And the problem that we have is that not knowing when it will be. But that is not enough to stop us. That is not enough to stop us. We have to to be taken from a place of saying, we don't know when he's coming, so we'll continue on until we think that he's really coming, and then we'll do something, or we're going to be surprised that he comes. But the, the, the change of heart that God is seeking here from his people is not one so that they can say, you saved me, Please save me again, and then again, you save me, now save me again. You save me, now save me again. He's saying, you save me, and I'm not moving. I'm not going there again. I'm not falling for that that, that Satan trick again. I'm not going to fall into deceit. I am fest. In Christ. And that's where I want to be, and that's where I'm going to stay. And I'm preparing for Him. I'm going to make my room prepared. I'm making preparations. And people are going to notice, because I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm changed. I am at peace And that's much more attractive than the things of this world. And just when you think that it couldn't get any better, these verses, steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. And there are many different ways that people have interpreted this. And what I have found through that whole journey is that it is it is describing Jesus. These are all attributes of God, yes, perhaps we could look at it that way, but the what what the writer is doing here through the Holy Spirit is describing peace, complete unadulterated peace that is found in God that he gives to us in his nearness, 
in his son Jesus, coming and bringing those things together. Right? There was a, a, another man that I, wrote, I read this week that said this about this. These four figures, he calls them, are designed in these verses to show that these virtues are not regarded merely in a separate way, but as meeting, answering one another, conspiring in perfect harmony to one glorious end, to one glorious end, God's glory, God's glory, God's glory, all of these things of God. These, these verses are showing us the meeting of God, coming together with all of the power that he possesses and blessing us with those things. It's not just poetry. It is truth. It is the truth and the reality of God. His never-ending love and faithfulness meet. And righteousness and peace kiss each other. It's all together combining for what God is doing and, and who he is. In Isaiah 45, 8, it says, Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may, may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. That is a beautiful description of what God can do and is doing through his son Jesus to shower down from heaven these things of righteousness. Did you think of, ever think of Jesus in that way coming down that God is showering righteousness? This is the way it's supposed to be. This is what is right. This is what is truth. This is what is faithfulness. This is what is peace. And they're ours. We were singing the Hallelujah Chorus for the concert next week, and we were rehearsing yesterday. And the the, the words, when we're singing, and the way that Candle wrote it and, and composed it, there is this incredible sense of the Holy Spirit moving him to capture a happiness that is one in celebrating that you see someone who you haven't seen or you've heard about only, but you're going to see, and he's there. And you're thinking, wow, they're here. And he, he writes this music that just dances and jumps and rejoices and all the voices coming together in four-part four harmony, balancing off of another. They're kissing one another and they are meeting together and they are harmonizing. And that is exactly what this is. It's a harmony, a harmonious world that we all want and desire so much that God has brought about and is going to bring about. And that is what he's blessing with today, us with today in this day of peace. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Verse 11. Faithfulness springs up from the ground. Can you imagine? I mean, he's... Th- 
what do you mean faithfulness? He's personifying. He's saying that there's this, it's so real that we can see it springing up from the ground. And there's righteousness looking down from the sky. So it's from everywhere. And it's meeting together here. And that's what Jesus did. It's the earth that God created and the heavens coming together to celebrate the Son. Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and that is what He did. He gave what is good. Jesus is good. He gave us what is good. And that is exactly what we're, we're learning at this time of giving, right? He has given us what is good. And we want to give Him what is good. Alright? We want to, we want to give Him lives that are, that are really taking Him seriously. And the whole land will yield its, its increase. Do you see? The, the whole, all of the nations coming together and being one in God is the plan. That is the, the plan of salvation. And then lastly, righteousness will go before Him and make His footsteps away. It is always righteousness that goes before. And that is what God did in sending His Son. And so here we are. Here we are today in God's church, and we are worshiping Him. What are some things that you want to praise Him for? Raise your hand and and I'll call on you. You can give a praise. A praise of why you believe that God is real. What is God doing today? How have you felt Him? Can I hear a praise? Marissa? Praise God. Another praise. Don? Your grandsons can recite the Ten Commandments. Okay. John. Amen. Anyone else? It's candy? So my son and his family after a very long time. Amen. Praise God. Yes, sir? Yes, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Beverly? Um, I had sports injury, so I was in a lot of pain, and I prayed really well and miraculously. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Alfred?
<laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, yeah. Jingyeo? Yes. Amen. Praise God. It's scary when that happens, something like that. Anybody else? I think that what God is really talking to us about is His nearness and His presence in our lives, this meeting of us. You know, He shows us these things and... um, you know, I, I'm looking at this scripture and, and seeing the way that people were, and, and this was like thousands of years ago, and it's all the same, you know. But God has given us this writing in such a beautiful way to describe how they see the presence of God coming into their lives, entering in, and it's actually to a prayer, in response to a prayer. And so we can see the power of God coming into our own lives and into our own situations in that powerful way. And it brings peace to our hearts, right? It could bring peace to a person who is injured and has received the healing, right? It can help a person when they've had a long day to feel that, you know, how am I going to get through this or do these things? Um, If you have an injury another kind in that kind of a way, or if you haven't seen and have been praying for to see your son, uh, and his family, or, you know, Marissa having, uh, hearing God in, through his word in that way, and Yasser with the friend who has allergies and remembering the miracle of that, and Don for his uh, grandchildren responding to the word. It's everything. I know that each one of you must have something on your minds in that kind of a way, but God calls us in this time so that we will be brought into that place of Jesus coming into the world. And how does he do that as a baby? Right? He comes as a baby, and we, we acknowledge that, that God humbled himself, and he meets us in that kind of a way at this time, with the simplicity of a, of a baby's birth. But there's so many things that he is doing, and he wants to do in our church, and he is doing it. I believe, really, that it's, it comes down to uh, our relationship with him first and then with one another. And uh, it's it's exciting to hear these words that are reassuring us and helping us to see that God gives us what is good. We have a pastoral search committee going on for the search for a Chinese minister right now. Let us all think God gives us what is good. Amen? God gives us what is good. It's exciting to hear and to know what he's going to do. And there are other things that he does for us that we don't even know that are good. But he's dependable and faithful and righteous, and he is loving steadfastly, and and he is full of peace. Amen?
If you're going through something, take that burden to him. I was totally surprised this week that a very close friend of mine whose family you know, embraced me when I was a very troubled young man, uh, invited me into their home, and they lost one of their daughters, who I knew is, you know, she was very young when she died this past year, and now the father died. So this guy who I, I've known for so many years, he was, you know, he lived a good life and everything, but it came as a real shock. Um, but they're saying, you know, please pray for us. They're brokenhearted. God knows when we are brokenhearted. He draws near to meet us in those times. Amen. Let's sing a song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, that is very peaceful and, and also filled with wonder and, um, and teaching from the Bible. Uh, we'll sing this before we take part in, uh, in the sacrament.